Hello and welcome to the first ever podcast on the Yorkshire and Humberside Young Fabians Network. My name is George Fairhurst, the chair, and today we have the pleasure of being joined by Tracy Brabin. Hello. Hello. Well, how lovely to be the first ever guest on the first ever podcast. Oh, it's, it's lovely that um, you can be here for this groundbreaking day in Fabian history. Tracy has come, kindly come on and we'll be talking about her um, background and her run to be the Labour candidate for the West Yorkshire mayor. Now, doing the questioning today, we are being joined by two Fabians who are not from West Yorkshire, so they'll be learning a bit more today. Uh, we're first of all joined by Brandon James uh, from South Yorkshire, who you might also know as the ho- one of the hosts of the Left Wingers podcast. Hello. Hi, nice to be here. And we are also joined by Patrick Hall, a regular writer on the Fabian's blog from North Yorkshire. Hello, Patrick. Hi, nice to be here today. Thanks for having me. And this is the point where I now go away and I'm going to hand it over to Brandon. Okay, so we're going to jump straight into the the questions because we want to learn a little bit more about you. Growing up in Batley, what was your experience and what was it like growing up in, in West Yorkshire? Well, I was um, a working class kid growing up on a council estate in Burstall and um, a free school meal kid, um, really good education. So I was able to be the first in my family to go to uni. But growing up, I suppose um, it was uh, boring <laughs> quite a lot of the time because you couldn't get anywhere. And, you know, we my dad was in and out of work, so we often didn't have a car. So you spend a lot of the time on the swings or throwing a ball against a wall. Um, but as I was growing up, I, I just, I'm someone who's a joiner. So I got involved in the brownies and, um, uh, you know, trying to make friends. And the highlight um, of growing up in Batley was of course the Batley Variety Club where people from all over the world uh, came to perform. And certainly seeing, seeing Slade and a couple of other uh, big bands at uh, Batley Variety Club was always a, a treat and um I, and one of the highlights also was i was west yorkshire area disco dancing champion so i did spend a lot of my saturday nights in local discos um i'm obviously much older than you guys <laughs> even saying disco um and uh, uh you know i spent a lot of my time uh, in clubs uh, and dancing you refer to yourself actually as a free school meal kid do you think that your, your upbringing actually influenced your politics and how much of, a, of, of an effect do you think your upbringing had on uh, the politics that you now uh, subscribe to? Oh, certainly it's everything. Everything that I am is comes from how I grew up. And certainly um, when my dad lost his job and um, my mum had to give in the key to, of our home to the building society because we couldn't pay the mortgage, and then we were just like, well, let's hope the council can help us. And we got a two bedroom flat. And we know that that's, that's labor values about the safety net. Absolutely no doubt about it. And my mom, as I was saying, you know, when we were, we really did have some tough times, got a loan from the bank for 50 quid and bought tables and chairs and rented a cafe in Burstall. Um, and her mother washed up for nearly five years for no money to ensure that my mom and her business, you know, was successful. And we'd eat out of the cafe, you know, we, we were so, um, you know, we were so dependent on it. And I'm definitely standing on the shoulders of giants of my mother and my grandma, because certainly Yorkshire women are a particular <laughs> feisty breed and um, we don't take any rubbish and we speak our mind. 
and we are strong women. And um, I think that's what we need certainly in the mayoral. All the metro mayors are men, so it will be good to have a woman mayor who has you know, been able to get around the table and speak for women. Well, thank you for that, uh, Tracy. Uh, and for what it's worth, despite the age gap, uh, I love a bit of disco, actually. I think disco applies across generations. It's interesting to hear about the problems sort of in the communities in which you grew up in. Um, so now if we just sort of move on more broadly to your plans for West Yorkshire, what do you think are the key challenges that communities in West Yorkshire face? Well, I'm under no illusion that the job of mayor is going to be extremely tough. We have COVID that will still be with us, I'm assuming by next May. And then Brexit will be impacting on our businesses and our startups and our, our student population. Um, it's, gonna be, it's gonna be hard, but I actually also think that this is an opportunity to reset the dial and to have a green agenda that is a genuine green agenda that is um, reindustrializing our heartlands, but in a sustainable way where we can ensure that the jobs that I'm hoping to create with my, with my new job task force, that those jobs are in the green sector, that fair pay is also about making sure that we have procurement that is um, within West Yorkshire, so we can build a fair economy and uh, community wealth building. So I, I think also the idea that cities aren't going to be what they used to be, potentially with commuters not going to work five days a week, that we can then be very hyper-local about how we talk about recovery um, to ensure that our communities keep their identity, but have all the resources there for a great life. So I've always thought that there should be um, an offer for Labour towns. So as an MP for towns and villages, I know it's really important that not all the good stuff happens in cities, so that we have an assumption that if you live in a town like Hebden Bridge or, or Clarkeaton, that you will have a library, that you will have a swimming pool, that you will have a space to meet, to exchange ideas in a community centre or a, a youth group. You know, it's really important to reset not just the North-South divide, but the town and city divide. So the green um, focus will be paramount, I think because this isn't just about jobs today, but it's also about our future planet tomorrow. Um, and in fact, Owen Jones had a very good article on it, uh, I think today about the importance of the mayors in uh, rebalancing that, uh, you know, that our manufacturing agenda um, and making sure that the Northern mayors particularly can actually lead the way rather than all these warm words from government actually put in a roadmap about how we get to zero carbon emissions by 2038 and how we're going to employ uh, young people and upskill our, um, our unemployed, who will, those numbers are gonna be off the scale come next year uh, into green industry, green jobs. And the retrofitting, for example, retrofitting homes to be more eco-friendly, we don't have the skilled workforce to do that and the money runs out next year. So it's really important that we you know, have these priorities. And of course, uh, the mayor has oversight of um, transport. So I've always felt it cannot be beyond the wit of man to have a tap in, tap out, fair capped fare across the whole of West Yorkshire. And I'm a champion for buses and I'll be working with partners to try and get that 
uh, bus service that works across the whole of West Yorkshire, that's unified, that runs for people, not profit. Also the electrification of our railways, that's really important, especially when it comes to the green agenda. And added to which housing is also going to be part of my remit and looking at how we can rebuild our social housing offer as a corridor pipeline across the whole of West Yorkshire so that, that young people can uh, hope to leave their family home and start a life for themselves, but in um, homes that aren't rabbit hutches and also that aren't over expensive from private landlords so that we can you know, build communities and um, a pride in our communities without feeling that we're just, we're just living, we don't have a home, which is a, a different uh, feeling altogether when you have a home where you can expand and where you can feel settled and part of community. So there's a lot um, that I'm very interested in and certainly the fair, the fair uh, work charter is gonna be something I want to introduce with, alongside with uh, working with unions and businesses to make sure that we can say that we are uh, leading the way and certainly when you think that um, in West Yorkshire 21% of those in work are on wages below the living wage and um, that's untenable surely we need uh, people to be paid the um, the actual living wage so that they can contribute to society by by spending locally but also it's about dignity in work isn't it and um, having spent three decades in the original gig economy as an actor and a writer I know that's something that I really want to tackle, the lack of um, dignity in the gig economy, where you have to uh, ring up to see if you can work, uh, where you're dropped at the drop of a hat, um, you can't necessarily pay your bills um, because you don't know when you're gonna be paid. You know, All of these issues around the um, precarious work is, is something that's very important to me. You know, 29% of those in West Yorkshire aren't in good quality work either. So I think that's also important and quite an exciting opportunity that gives you skills and an opportunity to progress into a career. Thank you. So you've, you've talked a lot about the kind of things that you're looking to change. You know, you want to um, introduce green jobs to, to the region. You want to tackle the north, uh, the, the town and city divide. Um, and especially in light of challenges that coronavirus throws up like unemployment, you, you really want to um, make a difference. So how will you use the mayoral toolkit, if you like, to make the changes you want to see? And how will you extract that funding from central government with the role? Well, bear in mind that this is a, a new role as West Yorkshire mayor. So the actual mayoral um, structure isn't set up yet. But what I do know is that I will be the chair of the Yorkshire Leaders Board so that the leaders of councils will be working with me um, to make decisions about the work they've already put in place and the work that the 38 million a year for 10 years um, can add to that, that added value. And certainly there is no decision that I can make alone. It is absolutely about working with those Labour Council leaders to uh, bring about our Labour vision for the area. But I think there is something about the mayor that is different to a council leader, um, that is about a vision and um, a new set of eyes on what is um, possible. And also someone who would be our advocate and a champion for the area. And also someone who can reach out internationally for partnership uh, investment. And if I look at the mayors at the moment, I'm certainly gonna be the Andy Burnham style. I have no fear of speaking truth to power. 
I'm very happy to stand up to government and challenge them for my community. And my record would show that as a member of parliament, that I'm always happy to challenge Boris Johnson or Matt Hancock or Rishi Sunak to get a better deal for my community. So it is about having that voice and having that profile as well, because as you've seen, um, West Yorkshire is going into tier three, but we've had a disparate a number of voices speaking on that. And I think that will be good to have that figurehead to uh, lead the way. So it, is, it will be a matter of collaboration and constructive cooperation, but that's something I've done for over three decades as well, before, even before parliament is working collectively for good outcomes. So I feel confident that we can put in place the structures that will make this happen. But I'm very, very ambitious and I'm impatient and I'm driven. So in the first hundred days, I'm hoping to have a, 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 a five point plan of what I'm gonna uh, introduce and then hopefully very swiftly get down to the brass tacks of um, fairness and social justice and issues like that. Of course, transport will take longer. Uh, it's a massive ship to turn um, but I'm hoping that there is the definitely the political will in West Yorkshire uh, to do the best for our community. Okay uh, thank you for that Tracy um, and so obviously it does seem like there's been a bit of a, a north-south divide recently with sort of Labour figures in the north being sort of having the restrictions imposed on them from a Tory central government but there have been other models that have been suggested for devolution for West Yorkshire and for Yorkshire in general, uh, one of which is the One Yorkshire Devolution uh, deal and a few other people who are seeking to be the Labour Party's candidate for Mayor of West Yorkshire have explicitly come out in support of that. Um, I suppose my question is what is your view on the One Yorkshire Devolution deal? Well, right from the beginning, I've supported um, the One Yorkshire devolution deal. Um, this is what we could get at this time. I think it's a good, a good deal. It's not the deal that we wanted, but we have to work with um, what government are prepared to give us. And certainly you'll have seen that they are now a bit nervous about giving mayors, mayors power and potentially are thinking of rowing back on their uh, devolution uh, uh, ideas. I'll be resisting any rowing back. And I think we can speak with one Yorkshire voice. It will be an incredibly powerful brand internationally and globally. Um, and I think um, certainly I will be working very closely with Dan Jarvis, for example, in Sheffield to have ideas that can work across our region as well as just within West Yorkshire. You have to be Pragmatic sometimes in politics, this is where we are, but I will definitely be uh, campaigning for a One Yorkshire. At the moment, it will be about, my priority will be about settling into the job and getting things done. And then of course, campaigning for uh, um, that deal. And I've always been a campaigner. I'm not gonna be someone who's stuck in you know, City Hall. I'm someone who's always rolled up my sleeves. I've campaigned with communities and I'll continue to do that and still be making the case for One Yorkshire. I find it quite interesting that you mentioned working with um, other mayoralities across across the country. How exactly will you you work alongside them in in um, in your your term as as mayor? I'd, I'd like if you could just elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, it's about sharing best practice, 
there's the you know I'm I'm never afraid of getting a new idea wherever it comes from. Um, certainly, there's uh, a lot to be said for the um, mayoral manifesto in Thai and Tees. I think um, the Everyone In campaign that uh, Andy Burnham has been running in uh, Manchester, Greater Manchester, is a brilliant campaign, and that's something I hope to bring in as soon as I can, which is certainly we homelessness is a stain on our, our community as one of the richest countries in the world. And I'll be working very hard to make sure that we can uh, end on on street homelessness, because we saw during the pandemic that actually putting people in safer uh, uh, homes or hotels or whatever can actually give homeless people an opportunity to turn their lives around, to be warm and safe and rethink their futures and get support from organizations and institutions to get them into work or get them into permanent accommodation. It can work. So when I say I want to work with other um, uh, mayors, of course, it's about sharing good ideas and it's about potentially going in for bids, um, whether that's international or governmental bids that can benefit both of us. You know, of course, Dan's a friend and I would be on the phone to Dan sharing good ideas and, you know, um, leaning on each other about what do you think to this? It's it. I'm a collaborator, I always have been, and um, certainly the work that's already been done in the moralities in, and in Bristol, we've seen great leadership there from Marvin. Um, you know, it's all about gathering good ideas to be an even better mayor than uh, I could have been without their good practice and their their work on the frontiers of mayordoms, um, and making you know good decisions. And I'll be stealing and implementing those good decisions whilst also uh, building on my own ideas about what could be amazing for Wishokshire. I'm just going to pick up on um, your discussion of um, Dan Jarvis in, in South Yorkshire. One of the criticisms that he might have drawn um, whilst becoming a candidate for the Sheffield City region uh, and then also being in it is the fact that he's an MP and, you know, the locals say, oh, how can you do two jobs at the same time? And obviously you're an MP as well. So do you think being in that role will be a help or a hindrance um, in your, your role as West Yorkshire Mayor? Well, certainly um, I will be a full-time mayor. I would say Sheffield is a bedroom, West Yorkshire is a house. It's an absolutely massive job that will need um, uh, somebody who is a full-time mayor. No disrespect to Dan at all. I think he's done a fantastic job, but uh, every morality is different. Uh, that said, uh, I'm not about to throw my staff onto, um, you know, into unemployment in the middle of a pandemic. And also I have to be sure that uh, we will win a by-election for Batley and Spen. Now, um, coming into this role in the way that I did, the idea that I become the mayor and then Batley and Spen becomes a Tory constituency, I just wouldn't be able to accept that. So I'd be working with the party uh, to see when is convenient, identifying somebody that we think we could win. Um, I'm sure there are lots of good candidates locally, but to make sure that that transition is as smooth as possible. But of course, my relationships with ministers from parliament are very helpful. I've been able through um, conversations and meetings that I've brokered to get 1.2 million for historic child sex exploitation investigations for West Yorkshire Police. 
2 million for a Mid-Yorkshire Trust. And Martin, who's the chief executive there said, you know, those meetings, those brokered meetings and letters probably helped us get that amount of money. So of course, you know, my understanding of how Westminster works and the people I know there and the allies and colleagues will help um, uh, get meetings and, and get into those rooms where decisions are made. But, you know, it is a full-time job. So uh, there will be a by-election, but it won't be Im uh, immediate, is my answer to that. And in terms of your background, you don't really have a very typical background for a politician. Obviously, you had a very successful acting career uh, and creative career before coming into politics. You're bound to have encountered in your political career a sort of anti-creative snobbery people who say, oh, she's just a, a lovey, just sort of a creative or, or, or things like that. What do you say to those people? I think you're right. I'm not your typical politician. And it is sad when people dismiss me as a lovey. I mean, it's potentially there's misogyny attached to that as well, but also it's, it lacks an understanding that actually it is an, it is an industry that contains manufacturing that has highly skilled tech and digital roles that uh, requires training and conservatoires. And certainly I have been a trade unionist from the, the, the time I started as an actor. And my first five years, I worked in theater and education, community theater, going into care homes and, and doing shows about the issues that concern the residents. Um, I, th I think it's, it, you know, it's a billion pound industry that we just can't dismiss. We have to support the workforce. And I have, as a trade unionist, have done just that. I was able to get 30 writers on Hollyoaks uh, in work pension. So um, also on a tour uh, working with equity, we were able to um, make sure that their, their workforce got their holiday pay that was owed to them, even though the management said they had no money. So, you know, these the, the industry is exactly that. It is an industry that actually brings about regeneration, upskilling, brings hope to people as well, but also a sense of identity and heritage and, and place. It is a billion pound industry with uh, hundreds of thousands of jobs, highly skilled jobs, some of them, jobs that have taken years of training. And certainly when you listen to the radio or you watch a film to relax, or you go to a concert or you go to a library, everything you see that inspires and you know, is in those moments that you remember your, your first dance at a wedding, the music that was played at your granny's funeral, all of these things were created by people in the sector. It is a fantastic industry that we must protect. And certainly there are countries around the world that understand that, have supported it, I think, in a, a more generous way during this pandemic. But something I will be using with my uh, Creative New Deal to create opportunities for jobs, for training, for um, regeneration for our, our communities. And certainly having spent time only yesterday at Backstage Academy in Wakefield, 100% employment rate for their um, trainees and apprentices. I mean, it is incredible that their sector is flourishing. When you think about events, that scaffold building, the lighting design, the tech, the digital 
um, work that needs to be done. These are manufacturing, you know, highly skilled jobs that I'll be championing as we go forward. And I think to say it's lovely is a real shame. It's, it's not understanding the, the industry or the sector. Um, and, you know, I've got many friends who are now worried about continuing in the industry. And one third of musicians are contemplating leaving the sector. All that training, all that money spent, all that those hours and dedicated to your craft, and then you're just being abandoned by government. So because there's no support, you're leaving the sector. It's absolutely a crying shame. Okay, and just finally, a bit of a, a potentially more fun question just to round things off with. Um, if there was a show to be made about a political event that you've been personally involved in, what would you pick and why? Well, James Graham has probably got it all covered, actually, because he's the go-to writer when it comes to writing about politics. Um, but I would say, um, well, the Brexit shenanigans will be a tragedy because of the way that um, people were treated and how overheated it got. Um, but, I mean, you could say, you could make a great satire about the way government have been handling COVID, for example, with government advisors going to Barnard Castle to check their eyesight. But unfortunately, you don't need to satirise it because it's actually true. Yeah, I'm hoping that maybe I could um, uh, think about maybe, I was about to say that maybe the morality could be a great um, drama. But I think I've been watching The Designated Survivor on, on Netflix, which is absolutely brilliant insight into the um, politics of, of government. And um, yeah, potentially that would, could be something we could look into during the, the period of COVID. That's a bit of a waffly answer, actually, because having been a writer, I don't want to say anything that couldn't potentially be done <laughs> because I want to feel that it's a legitimate idea. Um, but certainly if I was being commissioned to write an idea, I definitely have a dozen that I could uh, start to unpick and, uh, and flesh out. Thank you very much for those answers, Tracy. And for what it's worth, I think a satire of the government's handling of COVID could be the reboot of the thick of it that we've all been crying out for for the last eight years. Um, right. And certainly Spitting Images is back with a vengeance and I'm very glad to see it. Now, unfortunately, with that question's answer, we have run out of time on this week's uh, podcast. Thank you so much for coming on again, Tracy. It has been tremendous to hear not only your perception of our bit of the world, but also your vision for what you would do if um, you were to win the mayoral race in May. Um, thank you also to Brandon and Patrick for uh, being our wonderful questioners. You guys have done a fantastic job. Um, and please do tune in again next time when we will be talking to Hugh Goldburn and asking him some similar questions as well. For the time being, though, thank you for listening and goodbye.